Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. All right, your Ben Jarofsky show for Friday, September 2nd, is brought to you by SCIU Healthcare. Hey, we're doing the sponsor reader. SCIU Healthcare, Illinois, Indiana, the Chicago Federation of Labor, the Chicago Teachers Union, and Chicago Reader. ChicagoReader.com for all things there is to know the city of Chicago. Where to go, what to do, what to eat, what to drink, what kind of pond to smoke, and so much more, including columns from our very own Ben Jarofsky. Ben, tell us about the latest column in Chicago Reader. You know what? I did. A, uh, I went. It sounds a little different. A shout out to Joey D. Joey D. Francesco, the great uh, jazz organist uh, who passed away way too young at age 51. Uh, it was a tribute to him. Also a tribute to my dear friend Cap. Uh, Dennis knows Cap. Uh, and he's kind of the guy uh, who he take kind out of the sentence. He's the man who introduced me to so much jazz. Uh, and it's a key part of our friendship. So we talked about staying up late at night, listening to uh, these deep cuts that Cap has in his record collection. And one of them was Joey D. Francesco. He introduced me to him. We went and saw him live. So, you know, it was uh, no politics in this one, D. No politics. Just a lot of love for the great Joey D. Francesco and to uh, my dear friend, Cap. Check out the latest column. Also, check out the archive of Ben Jarofsky columns. Mm -hmm. If you want a political column, well, there's plenty of them. Go to Chicago Reader. All right, chicagoreader.com. And if you want to help out this program, you can. chicagoreader.com forward slash Jarofsky. J-O-R-A. V is in victory. S-K-Y. It's Friday, September 2nd. And this is the Ben Jarofsky Show's Oh, What a Week. And now your host, Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Clarification Friday, and here's why. Before we get to oh, what a week, I just have to uh, issue this uh, very important clarification. Love clarifications, D. Uh, this clarification I'm passing on. Okay, D, I'm passing it on. Okay. Uh, I'm not making it up for anything I said. Uh, uh, Joe Biden, President Biden. Uh, uh, play the radio. Yeah, that guy. Uh, actually, he was on a radio. I misquoted him. I apologize. I think it was... The, the hi-fi or whatever. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, you know, last night, uh, President Biden gave this denunciation of MAGA Republicans as a threat to uh, democracy and as a, you know, a lefty. I was like, yeah, yeah, you go, Joe. Finally, Joe wakes up and throws a counterpunch. And then <laughs> what a Demi Dems to the core. What happens? He wakes up today, goes, oops, uh, let me clarify. Gives <laughs> a clarification today, like a step back to Yeah. I wasn't on my medicine. <laughs> play the phonograph. Play the radio. Play a TV. I'm just going to make up whatever it was. I can't re- literally cannot remember what it was. Play the radio. Was, radio. was it radio? Yeah. <laughs> okay, if you say so. 
so anyway, he's already backing off. He goes, not all Republicans are bad, just MAGA Republicans. Okay. Oh, <laughs> the, there we go. There we go. Which is <laughs> very important clarification. <laughs> I don't, which, I mean, really it's, I, I don't, MAGA Republicans are like what? 80% of the party right now, but okay. Just, just the 80% that are Republicans. The other 20% are okay. All right. But everybody's doing clarifications, D, in this political time. And this is why uh, there's so I mean, again, I always talk about the cynicism in Chicago, but it's nationwide. So why people don't trust politicians who yeah, I just saw this comic, this hilarious bit about coming. I can't remember who. Anyway, so uh, Blake Masters, uh, who is a Trumpster running for Senate uh, in Arizona, uh, you know, was a true blue a true red, I should say, believer uh, in eradicating abortion in this country, D. And now, uh-oh, he saw Kansas. He saw what happened to Sarah Palin. By the way, that's a whole fascinating little discourse. I'm going to refrain from going down. Uh, the uh, congressional election uh, in Alaska talked about it yesterday, but the um, the ongoing attempts uh, to sort of manipulate what went down in Alaska is very interesting. But anyway, he saw that abortion is a very potent issue. So he's just like clarifying by just dropping all language. Abor what? A what? A what? Never heard of it before. It's funny stuff. Everybody's clarifying now, you know? Uh, I believe this passionately in my heart, and I'm saying it with all the convictions I can muster. <laughs> One day later, uh, did I say that? Yeah, Joe Biden. I can't remember I, saying that. Joe Biden. I think you called the voters shit. Can you can you <laughs> clarify? No, oh, I'm sorry. Part you of you are shit. Okay. I was like, yeah, yeah. Go, Joe, go. And next day, oh, I didn't mean it. Only part of you is shit. Now, come on, <laughs> vote for me. So anyway, clarification Friday. Everybody's clarifying. Joe Biden's clarifying. Blake Masters is clarifying. Everybody's clarifying as they search for that elusive swing voter. The, the state of the country is in the hands of a swing voter who's apparently not paying attention until after Labor Day. But he's not paying attention to anything. <laughs> so it's possible that a Republican uh, or a swing voter in Arizona will not know that Blake Masters was once upon a time a fierce foe of any kind of abortion. All right. They won't know that unless, of course, by chance. A swing voter in Arizona is listening to the Ben Jarofsky show, in which case, welcome to this show, Arizona. Uh, one of Dennis's favorite songs from the 60s, which he'll now sing, Arizona. Welcome to you, boo, boo, boo. Uh, so anyway, welcome to the show, Arizona, and uh, I hope you enjoy Dr. D as he kicks into Oh, What a Week. Hey, guys, how's it going? How are you feeling about Biden these days, Ben? I haven't really talked to you about it that much. I, I was feeling really good about him. Yeah. Joey B. And then, yeah, I don't know. He kind of lost me on the clarification. You know oh, what I'm yeah. saying? Well, I didn't mean it. Listen, here's the reality about Joey B. Are you hearing this a lot from me? It's just a name on a ballot. They're going to prop him up. He's a name on the ballot that it does not say Trump. The Democrats have figured that, hmm, we put Biden's name on the ballot. People will vote for him because they like him better than Trump. And so that's just reality, D. All these people talking about how Biden's not going to be running. I don't see that happening. Mm. Uh-oh, I feel a Barack Obama well, moment. He will in. be 80 soon. Yeah, what difference will it make? 80, 78? Will he be any different at age 80 than at age 78? Well, I mean, there could be one big difference. 
<laughs> he'll be 80 or he'll be alive or not. Listen, I'm the one who voted for John Stroger when he was a coma. So would there I vote? You go. Coma candidate. I did. I voted for him. Very proud of that. In fact, there was a, uh, Mark Wallace on the show the other day admitted he voted for him. Used to be you couldn't find anybody to admit they voted for Stroger. I, of course, admitted yeah. as soon as it was over. Um, and then, of course, they brought in Tosh. Why reminisce about ancient days? But I, d- I voted for a man in a coma. <laughs> so, you know, D, who am I? If, if Joe Biden was, you know, listen, Republicans voted for Ronald Reagan. The man had Alzheimer's. All right. Just saying. And now, OK, so everybody's talking about uh, if Biden doesn't run. Now, let me ask you, what happens if Trump d- Trump doesn't or can't run? What then? What do you do then? Who do you run? You got Ron DeSantis, right? It's Ron DeSantis. Oh, okay. That well, we haven't done this bit in a while, but the Washington Post does this the ranking. We we did that a couple of weeks ago. DeSantis was number one. Uh, I think Trump's running, but if it's not Trump, then wow, it depends how he goes down. You follow what I'm saying? Yeah. To not run, like is he in in jail? Not running? Does he just to say, oh, to heck with it? I'd rather. I can't imagine him not running, D. Just under any – the guy loved being president, and he just loves the adulation. He loves – he just loves being the attention, the cheering crowds. I, he loves everything. He's a boss, the ultimate boss. I cannot imagine Donnie Trump not running for president unless, of course, he passes on. I mean, he's not exactly a spring chicken. All right, let's do local news. I'm Dennis, by the way. How's it going? Let's talk about the week that was in the city of Chicago. And we begin with everyone's favorite Chicago daily political soap opera. This is one hell of an episode, guys. It's a mayor and her alderman. A mayor and her alderman. (laughs) Today's question. Hey, where are all the aldermen going? But first, we begin with news involving a former alderman. Political operative Roberto Caldero has pleaded guilty in a corruption case involving ex-alderman Danny Solis. Ben, what ward? 25th. Oh, that's good. The same (laughs) operative who vowed at an earlier hearing never to wear a wire in the case. There was no mention of any undercover cooperation with federal officials as prosecutors read the plea agreement in U.S. District Judge Stephen Seeger's courtroom. Any relation to Bob? I don't know. Uh, In the Dirksen building, Caldero pleaded guilty to one count of wire fraud. Uh, Prosecutors hit Caldero more than a year ago with an eight-count indictment. It said he leaned on Solis in 2016 to help an Ohio company win a $1 billion custodial services contract at the Chicago Public Schools. Ben, your thoughts. Wow. A lot of thoughts about this, D. Uh, Roberto Caldero. Uh, he's 69 years old. And, uh, man, that makes me feel old uh, because I remember when we were all young together. He's a little older than I am, happy to say. Uh, but uh, when I first moved to Chicago, Roberto Caldero was a young activist on the northwest side. And he was aligned with Luis Gutierrez, who was another young activist on the northwest. In fact, when I first moved to Chicago, Luis Gutierrez was a cab driver. Not making that up to He was driving a cab. Uh, but you could tell already he had a lot of potential. Uh, he had been a student activist at Northeastern University. I think Caldero had been there, too. Or maybe he went to UIC. Uh, but they were just a core of young, clearly uh, ambitious, intelligent, uh, uh, Hispanic wannabe politicians. And Caldero is the behind the scenes guy, uh, you know, the strategist, the operative uh, uh, in the back rooms, trying to figure uh, things out. 
you know, and uh, put together the strategies, cutting the deals uh, that people like uh, Luis Gutierrez needed to uh, be elected. And uh, Luis Gutierrez uh, made his big uh, move when he cut a deal, of course, with Harold Washington. Harold Washington gave him a city job with streets and sanitation, gave him enough money uh, to uh, sort of change his image and make himself presentable uh, as a aldermanic candidate. And in the special election of 1986, he was victorious, Luis Gutierrez, and launched his career. And Caldera was there every step of the way with him, is what I'm saying. And so, like, we go to the, like, this is ancient history, D. Imagine a young me going to parties where there was a young Caldero and we were all just sort of hanging out being lefties together. Uh, and then he would like, this is how things go. This is how things operate. And another person uh, who was part of that scene uh, has been on the show several times, a dear friend of mine, uh, Achio Bejas, a writer, poet, translator, novelist, et cetera, and so forth. Uh, at the time we all worked, we were young journalists together covering this scene. So it's kind of a curious moment, you know what I mean? Where you're like part of the same social group with people who are emerging politically. Kind of awkward moments there, you know, in the 80s. Like you see them socially, see what they're doing socially. And then you see how they present themselves. I mean, how much remains off the record? Yeah, you know what I mean? Uh, but there was this, to that point, when I think of Caldera, I think of the story that ran in a reader that Achi wrote, I didn't write. She bumped into him somewhere. It's a long time ago. The story's in the 80s. Uh, and he was seated in a, seated in a Cadillac. Uh, and as I recall, uh, it was a convertible Cadillac. And uh, it definitely co- contrasted with the image they were trying to project of lefties, you know, care for the poor, that kind of thing, uh, being in this Cadillac. Uh, and so I remember him telling uh, Achi, uh, the Cadillac is off the record, which I always thought was pretty funny. The Cadillac is off the record. And of course, she uh, went and wrote a story about uh, how she saw him in the Cadillac and quoted him saying the Cadillac is off the record. And it's a pretty funny piece. So I just remember as an operative and then I've lost track with him. I hadn't even thought about him in about 20, 30 years. And then he popped into the story. He was still an operative working behind the scenes, trying to cut this deal on behalf of his client and using Danny Solis allegedly. Well, I, he's pled guilty to it. So as the go between so much corruption and again, it, it, it's, it breeds cynicism. Uh, you know, he got, he found somebody at the board of education willing to give up his good name and reputation, Sully, whatever, uh, you know, he had done in his career, uh, chief of staff, what he had reached one of the highest rankings you could have in the Chicago public schools. I think he was the chief of staff to the superintendent, uh, and then try to sneak in and usher in, uh, this inside deal, not realizing of course that Solis is wearing a wire, the feds are listening. So, uh, yeah, how far uh, he fell. And um, just it's kind of disillusioning when you think about it. If I think about too much about all that idealism at the start of of the race. And now, you know, here they are in court uh, pleading guilty. And his big claim, I don't know if you saw this, he he would not wear a wire. So that's his big claim that he, (laughs) that's worse than in this viewpoint. Wearing a wire and snitching uh, is worse than what? trying to steer uh, a contract from uh, it to a bad player, a person who's bribing you. That's, that's not as bad as wearing a wire. So yeah, how far the mighty have fallen. That's what I thought, uh, D. And I remember there was another guy at the time. Uh, we called him Cuomo. This is in the eighties. Uh, and we called him Cuomo because he, he's from New York and he sounded like Mario Cuomo. Then the governor of New York, father of 
Anthony, uh, Cuomo and um, Chris Cuomo. And um, so we called him Cuomo. And I remember he, he was an aide to uh, young state Senator Miguel Devay, who had this clean image and reputation. I remember saying to Cuomo one time, I go, man, uh, Devay has got a, uh, is really super clean. And uh, and Cuomo said, he goes, yeah, yeah, he could be super clean. <laughs> no, that's kind of how he talked. Yeah. You know, that was a heavy guy. Yeah. yeah, he could be super clean because he's standing on my back, and um, <laughs> I got my knees in the mud. So anyway, that's what I thought about Roberto Caldero, uh, how far they've fallen, and uh, he was the one, of course. He gave the Sun Times plenty to write about. Uh, he was the one who was bribing Danny with what uh, Viagra pills. Remember that, D? Oh yeah. Uh, Danny would do his bidding, uh, and uh, I think was it uh, massages uh, at some massage parlors or something. Never a dull moment in Chicago. Like no, never a dull moment in in the city of Chicago. So yeah, Caldero uh, has fallen. He pled guilty, and falling with him. <laughs> Is all the idealism? Hey, you brought up uh, you brought up Cuomo. Ladies. What do you think about? Uh, we haven't talked about this, or so, uh, maybe like a month ago, Chris Cuomo made it back on TV. Why am I not surprised? Not on CNN. He's on just like some random ass channel. Yeah, that's way. No, why deeper. am I not surprised? I mean, there's always second acts in America, huh? Yeah, no, he's he's back, and now he's like defiant about it. I didn't do anything wrong, you know. <laughs> I didn't do anything. Well, yeah. Well, I tell you what, these transgender bathrooms. Oh, my God, Chris Cuomo, you have changed. (laughs) That didn't take long. No, he's kind of going. He's, you know, he's trying to find his way. Hey, man, it's all good, D. It's America, right? Uh, He's trying to find. But I'm not surprised. I was not ever a big Cuomo. I don't know if you were a Cuomo fan. Oh, never. never Phony as hell. That guy's so phony. Yeah, just the whole bit. Ah. I don't know, something weird. I mean, he's just an obsessive weightlifter. No, I know uh, that. I, okay. I, I'm okay. Okay. Uh-oh. Here he, comes. Uh, he's a bro. He's a bro. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's so bro That's exactly right. So I shouldn't hold that against him, but I kind of do. You know what I'm saying? So bro Now to the question at hand, all right? And for those who uh, may have forgot the question at hand, hey, where the hell are all the aldermen going? The following comes from the Chicago Sun-Times and Fran the Woman Spielman. 44th Ward Alderman. Tom Tunney, Cinnabunny Tunney, joins Exodus from Chicago City Council. The powerful chairman of the City Council's zoning committee and a key member of Mayor Lori Lightfoot's leadership team is retiring from the workplace that he called not a good place to work these days. Uh, Tom Tunney could not be reached for comment. His longtime chief of staff wasted no time in entering the race to replace Tunney, that is Bennett Lawson, with the retiring alderman's strong endorsement. Former Governor Pat Quinn, who's mulling his own race for mayor, said he talked to Tunney on Tuesday, and the retiring alderperson did not rule out challenging Lori Lightfoot for mayor. But Tunney was not definitive and said he was still talking to people about the race. Come on, Quinn, like he'd tell you, you're about to run? Like, Quinn, you're too nice for this stuff. All right. Oh, so you thinking about running? Like, I wasn't born last night, guy. Get off the phone. Tunney said, quote, I've always strived to do my best for the residents and businesses in the Lakeview community. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, also, I'm grateful for the trust they put in me to help lead Lakeview forward. Who cares? Now, Tunney isn't the only alderman ready to get the hell out of city council. We got more aldermen making their way out. But, Ben, your thoughts on Tom Tunney here? Well, Tom Tunney, as I said uh, uh, the last time we had talked about him, no, he's another guy who's bringing back old memories. I remember uh, when he was first appointed as mayor, excuse me, uh, as alderman by mayor, 
Richard M. Daly. I think it was about 2003 or something like that, to, uh, late 2002 to replace Bernie Hansen, who stepped down. And that was one of those step down handoff moves. Really good. You know, uh, Bernie Hansen stepped down quick, handed off to Tom Tunney. Uh, he's then the uh, the interim alderman uh, and has the he's the front runner, of course, for the election that follows a few months later. Classic Chicago move. We've seen it many times. Uh, and uh, he was exceedingly popular in Lakeview D. Uh, and, and, and I learned so much uh, about uh, Chicagoans' attitudes toward their aldermen by conversations I've had with Lakeview uh, residents, friends of mine, dear friends of mine, uh, about Tom Tony. So follow me in this, ladies and gentlemen. Lakeview is on the north side of Chicago. If there are Arizona listeners uh, from the Blake Masters campaign, I'm going to help you out a little bit. Uh, so Lakeview is a fairly well-to-do uh, enclave uh, on the north side of Chicago, a well-to-do section of the city. Uh, and he owns a restaurant, Ann Sather's Restaurant, a very popular restaurant on Belmont Avenue. Uh, and as such, uh, he had just, he was like the popular guy in the community. Uh, you know, he would turn Ann Sather's over for community groups to have meetings. I've, been, I've attended many meetings uh, at Ann Sather's. So many people ate there. That, and as Dennis mentioned, his cinnamon rolls are famous. They're delicious. So everybody has this like positive view of Tom Tunney. And it's just like, no matter what happened, no matter what he did, no matter what kind of trouble he may have gotten, no matter how much, when I would say trouble, I don't mean like corruption. I mean like voting for things like unpopular things, uh, like the parking meter deal, for instance. You know, he was a stalwart for Mayor Daly and a stalwart for Rom, did ever, whatever they wanted pretty much. No matter what unpopular stances he took, his uh, constituents would invariably defend him. Why? Because they like the cinnamon rolls. That's why, basically, you get far in Chicago if you make good cinnamon rolls and every now and then give them away for free. There's a sh- oh. here, have a cinnamon roll. People are like, one time he gave me a cinnamon roll. Well, it doesn't take much, right, Chicago. Right, right. It says here, a key member of Lori Lightfoot's leadership team. You think he would have gotten that without cinnamon rolls? Yeah. <laughs> See, now that's an interesting thing. Uh, he was a key member of Lori Lightfoot's administration. He got in the bizarre world that is Chicago City Council. The mayor, the executive, uh, appoints the chairs of the council committees, even though you would think that the legislative branch would do that. But nope, the mayor uh, appoints. the. She doesn't literally appoint him. She says who she wants to be the chair. She wheels and deals gets promises, exchange promises, even though she swears up and down. She never cuts deals. Uh, and then the council ratifies it. This may change. D. We'll see. It'd be interesting if this is going to change. Uh, because one of the things you're supposed to do if you're uh, a chair is support the mayor no matter what he or she does. Whatever they do, you swapped that chair position for your independence and you have to vote with the mayor. I think there's been three chairs in the... Um, uh, Lori uh, Lightfoot's term, who have broken from her, Sue Sedlowski Garza, good friend of this uh, show, uh, broke from her. She's the chair of the Labor Committee. Tom Tunney has broken from her, uh, and he is chair of the um, Zoning Committee. And I, I believe Matt O'Shea on the southwest side. Uh, I forget which committee he's the chair of, but he broke with her as well. So maybe this is a sign of things to change and the city council really is going to become independent. But yeah, being zoning chair is, is absolutely a a very important position. As I said, every development deal comes before that, that body, every developer uh, has to butter you up. Everyone uh, seeking a TIF subsidy 
uh, for their de- development deal has to more butter you up because ultimately you uh, approve the deal, uh, even if you're not approving the subsidy itself. So very powerful, very important position. Danny Solis held it before uh, Tom Tunney. Just want to point that out. Danny Solis, the guy wearing a wire, the corrupt guy we were just talking about. Uh, so it's not as though like to be the head of the zoning committee, you have to establish that you're above corruption. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's not like a qualification in the city of Chicago. The qualification is, are you loyal to the mayor? If you're loyal to the mayor, you get the position. Tony, I remember him breaking from Lori Lightfoot on a couple votes throughout the, uh, her tenure. And I was caught off guard. Hmm. And it, 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 uh, it made me realize D that in many ways, an alderman, uh, who is so popular with his constituents in the Lightfoot era was confident that, uh, he or she could act independently of the mayor without being punished. That was uh, one of the first indications to me. So, uh, yeah, he was a key member. He's broken from her. And now he's sort of suggesting he will run against her. I don't believe he will run D. He could prove me wrong, but I don't believe he'll run. Uh, I just don't, I think he realizes he doesn't have a lane to uh, to win, uh, and um, yeah, I just think it's one of these things where he doesn't want to completely say he's through with politics, so he's just sort of half retreating. You follow what I'm saying? Right. So the negatives may may outweigh the positives uh, if he ran for mayor. Like you may not win, and also, dude, people are going to bring up the fact that you opened up your restaurant during the pandemic like a million times. If you run, <laughs> we're going to bring it up. The people running against you are going to bring it up. Maybe if you run in a few years, no one may bring it up. You know, yeah, just kind of. We that really. That really got to me. It's so much. I've been thinking about this, D, about uh, the pandemic and the reaction to it. There was an article in the uh, New York Times. I meant to tell yeah. you about this, uh, an essay where um, it was uh, some a doctor. I can't remember who wrote it, but called, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Dr. Fauci. Blanked on his name for a moment. Oh. Uh, a total failure. I'm like, whoa, wow. Okay. And then, you know, he, he was giving us more of a, a uh, left of center critique of Dr. Fauci. And I just, when I was rereading it, I was thinking there were so many stumbles uh, that happened uh, during uh, the pandemic. Absolutely. So many mixed messages. I mean, we could do a whole show uh-huh. on that. It's just the ones in Chicago alone, because we followed it in real time. Every time they had one, so the, my, my, I don't know if I call this my favorite, but it was funny in a weird way. When Lori Lightfoot got indignant, and closed the parks. Oh, yeah. Remember that day when yeah, she closed yeah. the white front? I'm uh-huh. like, why? Such why? a bad move. Such a bad move. Such a bad move in so many ways. Uh, and it just, it's all part of what, like, makes it that much harder to get people to believe what their government is telling them. And it was just, it's just like this uh, petulant reaction. Like, people weren't following her commands, even though her commands didn't make sense. Right. And even though she didn't realize that, as I've always said, it was an absolutely gorgeous day. People are going to who've been cooped up are going to want to go to her outdoors. And by the way, that's probably the last place you're going to get COVID right <laughs> outdoors. Right. But no, you shut down the lakefront. You're not going there ever again mm-hmm. until I say, and so I just think about it. It's it, that's just one of them. You know, there's been so many other mix Lollapalooza. We talked about the Lollapalooza from last year, just, just Chicago. Lori, Lori Palooza, Lori Lightfoot's, uh, remember the public service announcement? Don't get a haircut. And yeah. she gets a haircut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there, there's so many mixed messages, I guess is contradictions, utter hypocrisy, stumbling along. Right. Uh, and one of them was Tom Tunney. Uh, 
in the height of it all when Lori Lightfoot and all these other mayors are doing public service announcements saying, don't have Thanksgiving with grandma. <laughs> you could kill grandma. Uh, he, he had, uh, the story broke. I think it was, a. Uh, I think it was like the second city cop broke the story. Uh, anyway, that, uh, that he was, <laughs> if you knew the right code or whatever, he would, if he knocked on the door three times, they would let open the door and let you into the back room at Ann Sather's. And then they would <laughs> eat your beloved cinnamon rolls. So we called it cinnamon roll speakeasy. Yeah. So that would come out. Um, uh, definitely would come out on this show, right, Dee? Absolutely. A lot of people aren't talking about the pandemic anymore, especially, you know, politicians. Uh, I was at uh, the Jazz Fest last night. And, of course, it's outdoors. It's Millennium Park. Great. By the way, shout out Michael, uh, Mike Alamana. Great job you did. Uh, Henry Threadgill, great job you did. Anyway, neither here nor there. Uh, and uh, the gentleman came and sat down a couple of seats for me. Put a mask on. It caught me off guard. Nothing but love for him. He wanted to wear a mask. God bless him. You know what I'm saying? D? I haven't seen anybody outdoors with a mask on in a long time. Yeah. Even I didn't wear a mask when I, I'm like the mask guy when I go into the jewel or the library or whatever. But even I, when I went to the Sox game with Adolfo, see you Adolfo, did not wear a mask. I was like, oh, wow. Okay. Hey, that's cool. <laughs> wear your mask. I got no problem. Free country, right? Uh, so, yeah, the um, COVID is definitely in the rearview mirror. Uh, as far as uh, the electorate uh, is concerned, even Darren Bailey, you know, you would think that would be his issue. He took the stand against mm-hmm. a tyrannical uh, government. He doesn't even, even he doesn't talk about it. Think about it. He talks about the hell hole at Chicago. Yeah. Uh, by the way, Manny Ramos came on the show uh, last night. Uh, we did a, um, a bonus drop. He's a reporter for the Sun-Times. Uh, and uh, he and sometimes photographer uh, Ashley Rosen have done a great job of sort of reporting with, with the profiling of the community of drag racers who have been congregating on streets of Chicago over the last few weekends, calling, causing a great deal of consternation, to put it mildly. Uh, and we just got into a whole sidetrack about how uh, Darren Bailey has uh, – use that to show that there's lawlessness in the city of Chicago. And uh, it was a great, I shouldn't try to replicate the riff that Mandy and I went on. So I just urge everybody that that show will be dropping on Saturday and Darren Bailey on the hell hole. That is Chicago. All right. Moving on here to uh, these other aldermen, the question at hand today, remember, Hey, alderman, what's going on? Where are you going? Come on. We're just getting started. (laughs) Alderwoman, Michelle Smith, Ben, what ward? Well, she used to be the 43rd. Well, she did. You say used to because she resigned, effective August 12th, giving Lightfoot the rare chance to make a third council appointment. The mayor already has replaced convicted Alderman Patrick Daly-Thompson of the 11th Ward with Nicole Lee, the council's first Chinese-American, and Alderman Michael Scott Jr., 24th Ward, with his sister, Monique. 24th Ward Alderman Michael Scott Jr. resigned his city council seat to take a job with the Cinespace Film Studio in his West Side Ward. 5th Ward Alderwoman Leslie Hairston is not seeking re-election. Neither is Uptown Alderman James Kaplman, Alderman Harry Osterman, and indicted Alderwoman Carrie Austin. Alderpersons Roderick Sawyer, 6th Ward, Ray Lopez, 5th Ward, and Sophia King are giving up their seats to run for mayor. Oh, I Sophia King hope she does. 
and Alderman George Cardenas of the 12th Ward, Lightfoot's deputy floor leader, is likely leaving after taking the first step toward winning a seat on the Cook County Board of Review. Ben, what's going on here? Why are these aldermen looking to move on to other endeavors so suddenly? Well, I, um, it's a combination of things. One, are probably most of these aldermen are veterans, and they're just probably sick and tired of it. Uh, the job, you know, it, it, here, I'll give you one example. Harry Osterman was a state rep from uh, the Edge uh, Water area on the north side of Chicago. His mother was an alder woman way back in the day. So it comes from a very political family on the north side. And it was considered an elevation for him to leave uh, Springfield and become an alderman. And I remember all the arguments given at the time uh, for as to why this would be a better gig. One, you didn't have to commute to Springfield. I was like, number one, number one, 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 one. Two, I think it made more money. Three, it had a better pension as a result. Uh, and four, you, like, Alderman is the best known person, politically speaking, within a district. I mean, I've done this, I've said this before in this show, and I've done the test before. People don't know who their state rep is. They don't know the state senator. They don't know the Cook County commissioner. But if you ask somebody, like what ward they live in, chances are they don't even know the number of the ward. They just identify the ward by Osterman. So like they live, they don't live in the 48th ward. They live in Osterman. <laughs> well, <laughs> okay. Technically the ward is not the Osterman ward, but I understand and I will credit you. I'm a very easy grader D. Uh, so it's just a combination of those things that made it uh, like an attractive position. And back then, when he took that uh, spot, I believe Daly was the mayor, um, Richard M. Daly, it, it, there wasn't the pressure on aldermen that there is now about their votes. It was just assumed they were going to go along with the mayor. And it was just a few, a handful, like Scotty Wagusback types, Leslie Hairston you know, who would dare to defy the Tony Preckwin, got to give her credit, voted against the parking meter deal, who would dare to defy the mayor on a high profile issue. Uh, and now it's, it's just, it's a different day. You know, uh, people expect you to act like a legislator and give thought, careful thought to whatever initiatives the mayor is putting out there. So that's pressure. And uh, at the same time, uh, you know, well, how many years it's been all these, again, all these people have been aldermen for a while, so they're tired of it. Sophia King's only been alderman for like five years, but she obviously is very ambitious, wants to be mayor. By the way, it's not carved in stone. They could still like reconsider their decisions. It's like Sophia King could decide, oh, I'm going to run for reelection. Ray Lowe could decide, oh, I'm going to run for reelection. Rod Sawyer, the same thing. But that, in general, dude, that's what I think is going on. It's just, um, yeah. This job's not what I thought it was going to be, not a, what's what it used to be. I think I'll just collect my pension. Well, that answer was a lot longer than I thought it was going to be. By estimates, 50 to, 50 to 60 percent of the economy is in Chicago. And if you look at Chicago land, that's 80 percent. Yeah, 80 percent sounds about right. Well, more is the person who was saying it rather than what they were saying. Lori, that's the reason they're leaving, right? Oh, <laughs> I don't know. I think that's overplayed. I'm going to tell you why. I know they say that, but there's no guarantee that Lori Lightfoot's going to be the next mayor. And I just don't believe she's any more abusive than Rom or Daly, who are notoriously. I, I actually think that's a bum rap against her. You know, I mean, Daly, I remember, oh, God, I remember in 2009, I think it was, yelling at Bob Fioretti, who's now become a Republican. I 
kind of weird. Getting all red in the face, yelling on publicly uh, speaking. Rom was notorious. Uh, Scott Wagsback told the story about how Rom called him up and was like, poking him in the ribs, and Rom denied it. Uh, isn't that funny? Rib gate, poking him in the ribs. So I don't think she's any more abusive or bully-like than Daily or Rom. It's just, she's just so, I guess, publicly nasty in a way. Maybe they, uh, maybe they held back a little more. I, I think that's exaggerated, D. I absolutely do. I know that many of these, a couple of these aldermen have di- directly told me they can't spend another day working with her. I could think of two of them who said that. Uh oh, here comes Larry David. Oh, that's Ken Davis. Uh, oh, is it? <laughs> now, did this happen a lot cool. under other mayors? I mean, did you see like a handful, like 12, like we have here? Uh, kind of. I know. I can't recall ever that many. I mean, uh, uh, and also it's, 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 it's a hard, hard race. You know, it's, people are challenging. In the old days, people kind of stayed away from challenging incumbents. Uh, I believe Osterman had a couple, at least one, where he was no opponent. Everybody, well, we like Harry. We won't run against him. No opponent. It's hard not to lose. Uh, so, I, yeah, I know that they say uh, that is because Lori is so unlikable. But maybe, you know, deep, think about it this way. After 20 years on the job, putting up with all these residents complaining and moaning and groaning all the time about their potholes or what have you, and suddenly you get the mayor just a totally <laughs> – mean nasty human being you know sending you nasty texts or whatever yeah yeah that could be the tipping and now that i think about it yeah i've had it <laughs> yeah you know it's not like no one's nice anymore and you know so that could be the tipping point all the people like your ed burks and all them the backdoor deals looks like it's kind of more people are paying attention the backdoor deals going away it's just turning into a regular job for these guys maybe they're like oh this sucks i want to get out of here there's yeah i don't, I don't know perks I, I, I'm not quite sure the backdoor deal is completely dead in the city of Chicago. I, I wouldn't uh, prematurely uh, say the backdoor deal is over in Chicago. Just Ed Burke's participation uh, in the yeah. backdoor deal may be over, although who knows? Like the According disco. to Lori Lightfoot, he is the guy behind. It's Ed Burke. <laughs> it's, Ed. it's like the disco days. You know, everybody's partying, having a good time. Oh, yeah, everybody's. But now disco's dead, maybe. The backdoor deal's done. It's like waking up with a hangover. <laughs> oh, God. But uh, no, I'm I, uh, pushing back on the backdoor deal being dead. No, I mean, we're, I'm still wondering how NASCAR. We had uh, Matt Topic on the show, a FOIL expert uh, yesterday, uh, the lawyer who's forces the city uh, <laughs> to say what it's uh, doing, you know, reveal the secrets, puts them to court. Uh, and we just talk about NASCAR and like, there's a FOIA case right there. Like how in the world did out of nowhere, like who connected who with who and what's the, you know, what promises were made. So I, I, I uh-uh. we're a long way from the back. And then Lollapalooza, all of a sudden a 10 year deal out of nowhere. Cuts That's true. That's oh, I'd true. like to know about that one. How did that happen? That's you true. know, That's true. Uh, all of a sudden we got Lollapalooza. Huh? I don't remember any public debate about, uh, whether the public wanted Lollapalooza for another 10 years. So ah, back the backdoor deal, maybe the smaller backdoor deals, like an alderman can get a deal like free burgers or something somewhere, you know, they're like, I oh, yeah. mean, I don't get any kind of advantages here. This sucks. I'm out of here. 
Yeah, it's true. Baby backdoor deals. The, the baby backdoor deals may be gone. That's what I'm yeah. saying. The big backdoor deals, oh, they're still around. But possibly, like your Ed Burks and, you know, holding up but, Burger King. But here's the thing. Them. It's always the baby backdoor deals <laughs> that nail the alderman. You yeah. know what I mean? No yeah. one ever gets nailed for the big deals. Oh, no, no. Like the parking lot. Somehow or other, they sold off the parking meters of Chicago. And that wasn't, that was perfectly illegal. Somehow or other, I mean, there's so many TIF deals where you thought the money was going for one thing and it went for something else. That's legal. <laughs> but some alderman, ah, getting free, you know, free, free. he swaps Viagra for, you know, a contract for his pal. I heard you're getting uh, free you're going to federal prison now. You're getting free concretes at Wendy's? Oh, we got to bust you. <laughs> Baby backdoor deals. All right, now to the mayor's race. Millionaire businessman Willie Wilson on Tuesday loaned his mayoral campaign another $1 million, bringing to $6 million the share of his personal fortune he has devoted to unseating incumbent Mayor Lori Lightfoot. As Lightfoot and her challengers hit the street on the first day to circulate nominating petitions, Wilson told the Sun-Times he is prepared to spend another $3 million on the race. Guys, I don't know if you're in a, uh, big into math, but that's a grand total of $9 million. If that's what it takes to defeat the embattled incumbent he endorsed in 2019. His initial $5 million contribution to himself lifted the fundraising cap for all mayoral candidates, but Lightfoot has been unable to take full advantage. She said her, she has $2.5 million in her campaign war chest, which is three times uh, the next highest competitor competitor except Wilson after raising $1.25 million during the second quarter. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, Willie Wilson, uh, is it's like, uh, JB Pritzker, uh, and uh, Mitt Romney to a certain degree in uh, Utah. Like if you have a lot of money, D you don't have to waste your time calling other people and asking them to donate. Yeah. You just, I'm just going to spend it. If, if this is your dream, and uh, we've talked about Willie Wilson a lot in this show. Uh, I do believe, I've been thinking about this, D, I do believe, you know, we talk about the lanes to victory, the lanes to get to the runoff. And I do believe he has a lane to the runoff, provided other people drop from the race. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, like, Rod Sawyer's kind of got to get out of that race. And maybe Sophia King's got to get out of the race. Uh, and so that's why we're going to see a lot of challenging. Some of that money uh, that Willie Wilson is donating to his campaign will go to challenge the uh, petitions, the signatures uh, that his opponents have filed. Willie Wilson, as I've said before, uh, with Ricky Hendon, a great practitioner of the ballot challenge, ballot access challenge. So I guess that's part where that money is going to go. And also you got to spend money to get um I didn't tell you this, Dave. You got to spend money to get on the ballot. So the other day I was going to the library, and uh, when I was walking out, there was a very nice gentleman uh, who asked me to sign his uh, his petition for Paul Vallis, to put Paul Vallis oh, on the ballot to run uh, for mayor. And uh, I said, oh, you're a believer in Paul Vallis. You know, <laughs> he picked the wrong guy. This guy had no clue. <laughs> he had no clue. But he was a really nice guy. He goes, no, not at all. I'm not a uh-uh. And then he said, I got a job from, and he named the guy's name. It was just the first name, like Billy, uh, but it wasn't Billy, Billy Bob. Uh, and uh, he goes, Billy Bob is paying me. And I think it was like $2 a signature. You know what I'm saying? Just, I said, oh man, here, I'll sign it for you. You know, I, God bless you. I'm going to try to make it as neat as I could. I don't get bounced because my handwriting's terrible. Perfect. 
<laughs> we do know, not but, need uh, that. We do not need that for your image here. Saying you uh, signed some <laughs> Paul Vallis thing. Great well, job. You know, I mean, I, I believe it. Now, I don't know what the rules are, so this may uh, prevent me from signing for somebody else now. Oh, God, I should have thought of that. Uh, you know what I'm saying, D? There's all these rules. Yeah. bizarre rules uh so somebody could go through these petitions but uh anyway uh so it costs money just to get on uh the ballot so you have to have money uh to pay people who gather the signatures and then you have to have money to pay people to challenge the signatures of your opponent so this is you know it adds up d it's not kind of a it's scam. not free what a scam D- democracy's not free <laughs> Uh, and, uh, so yeah, so Willie Wilson is just letting the world know he's prepared. He's got the money there. He's got Ricky Hennon ready to go. He can get his signatures and he can challenge yours. You know, Willie Wilson, uh, you seem to strike a nerve with the mayor when you were doing the free gas giveaways. Lori Lightfoot started doing it. So you were onto something there. I say, keep it up. Find out some more things to do like that, like you're doing there, Mr. Wilson. And maybe you'll get into that runoff. Like, uh, we got the, the immigrants that have come to Chicago, maybe help them out. Willie, do that, right? Wow, what a master move that would be. Dude, I need to work for the Willie Wilson campaign. <laughs> that would be a master move. Uh, by the way, we uh, will be having a full conversation about the uh, immigrants coming to Chicago interview with Ramana Hussein. Can't wait for that. I'll be doing that later today. and It'll drop on Sunday. Yeah, yeah. Willie Wilson, just stay in that lane. Any any more ideas you can think of for Willie Wilson? Because he's kind of- giveaways are really good. Right, right. I mean, I know we're not supposed to say that and all the newspapers editorialize against them, but uh, I, I, uh, I I have some old friends who will remain nameless who say they, they plan to vote for Willie Wilson just because they like that he gives stuff away yeah. uh, to poor people. It's his money, Ben. He can do whatever he wants with it. And then when I challenge them, and I go, well, what if it's one-on-one? You know what I mean? I give him that follow-up, like – what if he makes it to the runoff and he's running and then I'd have a whole list of people he's running it. First things first. Okay. I'm talking about the first one thing I'm really proud about Chicago Wednesday um, is that I think they finally figured out that we have a runoff system for mayor. It took a couple times, but they've really figured it out. I'm really proud of them. They've showed incredible intelligence. Uh, I'm watching and Republicans struggling uh, with the vote process in, uh, in Alaska. It's kind of funny to watch it. You know, rank it's voting is a is so complicated. It's a scam. <laughs> you had a terrible candidate, ladies and gentlemen, Republicans. Nobody likes Sarah Palin. Okay, yeah. <laughs> you can't blame it on rank voting, right? Like, I mean, like Alaskans aren't that dumb. They understand what they were doing, right? And they love oil. So, like you know, they're kind of they lean a little more to the right. So yeah, Palin was just awful. Pale was awful. Uh, they also have a. I think there's a libertarian. Well, you you cover Alaska, you know better yeah. than I do. Uh-huh. But uh, they have this libertarian streak in Alaska. Yeah. And uh, uh, Mary uh, Patola, who won, is not your traditional leftist. Uh, and by the way, she won. I don't know if you, D. I know you know this because you follow this. But if it was a conventional Chicago election, like the, the way we uh, like nominate a congressperson or something, she'd be the outright winner. She got the most votes in the race, and then. Uh, first place votes, and then they went to uh, the second place votes. Uh, put her over fifty percent to get over fifty percent. That's the whole way ranked voting works. Yeah. Uh, so that indicates to me that she's one of those Alaskan politicians that 
has sort of found a niche in um, with voters there, you know, and it does, I don't think it easily translate into my political universe uh, in, in any way. It's just a different world. And uh, so this, the Republicans who are trying to make it always like somehow or other, it was stolen from them or this is right. like the Democrats only still, you're not no. giving Alaskans enough credit. That ranked choice, too. It's like whoever. Uh, so it was Palin. So whoever they voted for second on the Palin ballot, they would get the votes. So Absolutely. the yeah. Peltola, you know, they voted Pel- and like Palin. So that Nick Bagich guy, that was the, the guy who was in third place. So they kicked him out. So they took the Bagich votes and the Bagich votes would go to whoever was second. Right. And a lot of people put no, they, they didn't fill it out. So they didn't put Sarah Palin or Peltola. They just put nothing. A lot yeah. of people. Begich, uh I actually, I better double, double check this. Nick Begich, also Republican. I believe he actually finished second in the first round. Mm. But I better check that before I, it's been a while since I looked at the numbers and I'm dyslexic anyway. Um, but uh, yeah, so there was a split. And now I don't know if you're following this. Well, of course you are. You have to report on it. Uh, Palin's trying to force Begich to endorse her uh, for the, um, November election and Begich is saying no way. Yeah, that always works. The force endorse. Hey, force <laughs> endorse me, damn it. Which that always works. Uh, I don't know. Anyway, uh, voters are, you know, we make fun of them. But listen, Chicago voters, you have figured out the Chicago mayoral election. And so hats off to you. Right. And Willie Wilson, man, just keep on that gas giveaway and all these giveaways. You seem to kind of get under the mayor's skin when you did that. So it must hey. be working. How much? How you cut a deal with uh, Tom Tunney and some cinnamon roll giveaways? Oh, we could bring all our stories together, okay? Oh, <laughs> Work for Tunney. That'd be amazing. All right, and let's end it out here with, uh, well, they're actually going to do it, it seems like. Bears to unveil plans for Arlington Heights Stadium site. The Bears will unveil conceptual plans for the potential new home in Arlington Heights on September 8th. That's pretty close. The meeting, which will be held at John Hersey High School in Arlington Heights, will detail what a Bears statement called one of the largest development projects in Illinois state history. The stadium site will feature a transit-oriented mixed-use entertainment district. Whoa, that was a bunch of words. It must be cool. That was like six words melted into one thing. The meeting will not feature specifics about a stadium design. So I thought they were bluffing the entire time, but it seems like they're actually going through with this, Ben. Yeah. No, well, they put money down uh, to uh, buy the old Arlington Heights racetrack. Uh, so, uh, yeah, no, I, I I think it's a, it's pretty obvious that they want to go to Arlington Heights. I don't blame them. Uh, they'll control the stadium. They'll build it. Uh, my get the, the big issue D will be the amount of public money they get and they will get public money for this. Uh, so then the second issue, once we've uh, worked from the assumption, they will get public money is how the, <laughs> how their supporters in Arlington Heights who are elected official will, will disguise the public handout in such a way as to make it seem as though it's not a public handout to the bears. This is all as this is usually the as uh, to paraphrase Donald Trump, the heart, the art of a deal. This is how you get something done. So you can't tell the public directly that they are their taxpayers will be going to the bears. You have to come up with this way of concealing that. So the key word in that sentence is transit that you just that gobbledygook that you, you had to read there. D somehow or other, I'm sure they're going to say, well, it's like 
for the public because it's transit oriented. You know what I mean? Like it's somehow or other. This is what they're doing with One Central in the South Loop. Well, we got, we the, the the developer needs a foundation on which to build a skyscraper. Uh, so what they're saying is, well, what we need is a a transit hub, which of course nobody knew we needed a transit hub. So they get the state to put up all that money, not building the transit hub, and now he has the infrastructure to build a skyscraper. Somehow or other, the Bears have to convince Arlington Heightians that this handout to them is actually for the public of Arlington Heights. D. I believe they will do that. I've been watching this game for a long time. And, you know, Arlington Heights, if you buy into it, if that's what you want, go for it, man. I'm not crying over the Bears moving uh, uh, to uh, Arlington Heights. I haven't been to a Bears game. I think during the George Bush era. uh, George W. Bush. I think it was my last Bears game. So, I, I... just watch them on TV like most people. So what difference does it make to me uh, if the setting is Soldier Field or Arlington Heights? It's all the same to me. I mean, like I feel like that should just knock you out of the race for mayor. Like the Bears left while you were mayor? Get out of here. <laughs> what? How did you let that happen? Seriously. That should be like a, a major foul uh, in trying to run for mayor again, right? Is Will Lightfoot become mayor again even if the Bears leave the city? Well, she the whole way is how she deals with it. Right now, um, if she's making it seem like she's fighting to get the Bears to here. I think it would be a different ballgame if she had just uh, just said to the Bears, we're not giving you another nickel, you ungrateful mother beeps. We <laughs> moved heaven and earth to build you a stadium, which now you say is not good enough. Oh, it's not good enough? What about this? Give us the $600 million we gave you. Give it back to us. You know what I mean? If you If you, like, take a stance like that, that the public can sort of uh, associate with and say, like speak for people. But now she's like, she's in a weird middle ground where she's ignoring the fact that Chicago had already subsidized this stadium on the lake, Soldier Field, the rebuilding of Soldier Field in 2001, and trying to give them more. We'll get you a dome stadium. How about that to get you to stay? So it's, it's going to be a little hard. I'd be, hey, we began the show with a clarification. So this would be a grandiose clarification. Ignore everything I said about keeping the Bears at Soldier Field. Those dirty runs. <laughs> <laughs> she might have to flip on a dime, you know, to blame the Bears somehow or other. Uh, by the way, the Pat Quinn, who's maybe in the race, maybe not in the race, um, he was the one who kept the Bears back when in 2003 or four, whenever it was, from selling off the naming rights to Soldier Fields because he said this would be an insult to the veterans. Soldier Field name for veterans, obviously. Uh, and um, so he has made it clear that he will come right back uh, with that campaign if uh, there's an attempt to, to keep the Bears in Chicago by naming uh, Soldier Field, selling off the naming rights. So, D. I think when you add it all up, the Bears will leave. And um, I don't think it will keep Lori Lightfoot out of the uh, uh, the runoff. Uh, but um, it could be problematic. Yeah. She doesn't figure out a way to deal with it. Uh, uh, in the, but would a lefty say it? Let's say she was running against Brandon Johnson in the, in, in the runoff. Would Brandon Johnson denounce her for letting the Bears go? Oh, you know what I mean? It's like he's not going to really push that because to keep the Bears here, we'd have to give them more money. Uh-huh. So 
I could say, you know, I could see like a, a an Arnie Duncan type or Paul Vallis maybe raising it. Willie Wilson, free bear, free bears tickets. Would Willie Wilson raise it? He might raise it. Yeah, because he's he's a Republican. He's a wild card. That's wild card Willie, man. Uh, By the way, that would be something uh, if Willie Wilson started giving away bears tickets. You know, that bears are good this year. And we, uh, by the way, I just want to promote Vinnie Eiler, uh, one of our bonus features. Uh, a sporting news writer been coming to the NFL for 20 years probably knows more about pro football pretty he knows a lot about pro football D. and uh, so we talk surprisingly optimistic oh there you go now if I the, know, I caught me off guard if the NFL season was five games long you guys may have a shot but it turns out there's way more and you guys just don't hold up that long <laughs> oh my god I know we're, uh, we're supposed to close out and not talk sports but man what a tr- what a move in the uh, NBA yesterday Donovan Mitchell going to the Cleveland Cavaliers, yeah. my beloved Bulls, just got that much harder. That is a monster team in Cleveland. And uh, well, in Utah, uh, this Danny Ainge guy's like, hey guys, watch this. Now he's got like 50 draft picks. Yeah, I'm not a big believer in tanking. Uh, so it's going to be a long time. But yeah, he's got a ton of draft choices. Uh, but anyway, um, enough sports talk, D. All right, everybody. Oh, and uh, rumor has it, by the way, that the Ben Jarofsky show uh, is uh, set up to. Uh, what was that word? Hold on. The Ben Jarofsky show. Well, where the hell did it go? This will get edited out, folks. You will not hear any of this. <laughs> you will not hear any of this. Oh, yeah. Here we go. The rumor has it the Ben Jarofsky show is uh, the first transit oriented mixed use entertainment podcast. So, <laughs> yeah. Hey, can I get some TIFF money for that? Transit oriented? Okay, that's where they're going to do it, Arlington Heights. We're going to rebuild the Metro stop. <laughs> so it's going to cost them like $10 million to rebuild the Metro stop and $100 million to go to the Bears, but they're going to concentrate on that $10 million. That's how they do it, Arlington Heights. All right, everybody, remember, you can download previous Ben Jarofsky shows, Benny J. Bonus interviews, and so much more. ChicagoReader.com forward slash Jarofsky, J-O-R-A-V is in victory, S-K-Y, or wherever else you download podcasts. Wherever you heard this show from, there's tons more shows where that came from, all right? So go check them out. Ben, who do we have on the lineup this weekend? Uh, as I said, Vinny Eiler, uh, NFL expert. We're going to drop that probably on Monday. Uh, Ramana Hussein, uh, drop that uh, Sunday. And Manny Ram- Ramos, excellent, if I must say so myself, conversation uh, about the drag racing scene in the city of Chicago and how it's become a political issue, how it fits in with us, the tough talk on crime uh, that not only uh, in by Darren Bailey downstate, but right here in the city. So fascinating uh, conversation uh, with Manny Ramos of the Chicago Sun-Times. All right, very good. Thank you very much, Dr. D. Uh, and I want to say this one more time. The doctor will be with us for two more weeks, and then he's going on uh, a much-deserved uh, paternity leave. So I'm crying. As I think about this, he's going on a paternity leave, and I just want to say he had a great, uh, excellent, from all sources, a real swinging, swinging party last week for the new baby, Denise, Denise, I'm so in love with I'm a, you. I'm a baby daddy. He's a baby daddy, ladies and gentlemen, and I'm so proud of him. Uh, but we still got two more weeks. I'm going to milk Dennis, Dr. D, that brain for two more weeks. But we will still continue to pump out shows while the doctor's on a much-deserved paternity leave. So I want to thank the doctor, the man, the myth, 
the pride of Joe Bolton, Illinois, without whom this show would be possible. And as Darren Bailey and J.B. Pritzker will tell you, back home and on, they call him Dr. D. And the D stands for Daddy. Hey, woo-woo. <laughs> Give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. Peace and love, everybody. Estimates 50 to 50 to 60 percent of the economy is in Chicago, and if you look at Chicago land, that's 80 percent.